Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this very special episode of Stay Grounded with my brother, Mr. Mike Clark. So Mike lives in Nostar, or he's been in Nostar the last six months uh, since I've been here. And the second I met him, we just hit it off. He's my workout buddy, advisor, mentor, and truly one of the biggest hearted people I know. And I wanted to bring him on the show, not just because, I mean, Mike has built several companies, accumulated incredible success for himself, for others, a true-hearted philanthropist, and somebody who's like deeply entrenched in the inner work. And I rarely get to meet people who have ticked all those boxes, like people who are like extremely successful, but also extremely spiritual, but also deeply committed to relationship and partnership, but also helping others. Like it was just really beautiful. And, you know, in this conversation, we went in so many directions, but I think the core theme that we kept coming back to is this theme of surrender. And when do you create and when do you surrender to all that's happening? How do you know what's right and wrong? How do you connect to deeper wisdom within yourself? The, what role does play and fun and and all these different emotional states that we want in our lives, like what role does that play in creating fulfillment? And I just, I mean, Mike and I have had so many conversations off the mic about deep dive conversations like the one you're about to listen to, but there's just something really beautiful about kind of focusing the conversation around this com- this topic of surrender and how surrender can be a really useful tool in all of us creating more meaning and fulfillment in our lives. Because I think when we can master the art of surrendering to whatever is true in the moment, and when I say surrender, it's, you know, whichever direction we choose to run in, it's like whatever voice we're listening to before we make those choices. Like when we can really learn to surrender to that, that true authentic voice in our hearts, we really can't screw this up really can't mess up. Like It's like there's there's always a grand design to everything we're experiencing. And I just really appreciated this conversation because it brought so much lived wisdom. I mean, Mike has built several companies, uh, one of the largest real estate holding companies in the world being one of them. And has just, I mean, he's a loving father. It's just, there's so many things. There's so many ways that the information from this podcast can be applied. Doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, if you're just somebody who's you know, just on the path and, you know, just wanting more spiritual enlightenment. Like I think the stuff that we cover on this podcast just has so much utility because it is pulling from so many different walks of life and applying principles, the principle of surrender to so many different areas of our lives. So I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it's dropped straight into your inbox. Leave the show a review on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to it. I love reading your reviews and reviews go a really long way in helping other people find out about the show, learn what the show is about. Um, 
And I just so appreciate you guys. Thank you for being. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving this show your attention. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to serve you and to share something true from our hearts. So enjoy it. And without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Mike Clark. Enjoy. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded with my boy, Mike Clark. What's up, brother? Hello, good morning. How dude, are you? I'm great. Oh, dude, we're in it. We're in it. We're in the Nosara vortex. We're in the vortex. <laughs> I wish we would have had some of our conversations taped. They've been the wildest, craziest, <laughs> weirdest things that I think I've ever even just, I mean, magic to seeing like, entities and beings to like <laughs> deep work emotional long too long of hugs in osara where you just hug for so freaking long i mean dude it's been i mean these are your last days here now mm-hmm. and it's just been one of the most uh n- nourishing <laughs> another word <laughs> another overused uh, in overused in osara, <laughs> but it's been just yeah. one of the most enlivening nourishing mm-hmm. experiences and I want to start this conversation with a conversation we had kind of bookmarked Mm -hmm. two days ago when we were discussing the nuances between surrendering to life and when to actually like step into your power and really create. And I'd love for you to share what's present for you as you think about that concept, whether it's in your entrepreneurial journey or in even just like as you've navigated relationship stuff or as you've navigated your spiritual path, like how has those poles played a role in creating more wholeness or more union with mm. all that is? Well, let's take a step back and maybe kind of go to the extreme. My spiritual journey kind of started six years ago, right around when my daughter was being born. And that was uh, essentially like the the change of everything. So up until that point, I had one focus and one focus only building a huge business and being really, really successful. And so I would say on the polar extreme, that's the manifest goal-oriented life, right? Here's the outcome I want. I want to exit a company for a billion dollars or a hundred million dollars. I want to be the CEO of X or Y. I want to be a star in this, right? Outcome-based. And then you work backwards to manifest to all the things you need to do to get there. And sometimes you get there, sometimes you don't. Luck plays a role, right? That's kind of like how most of us live our lives, Like it's a very outcome oriented work backwards kind of world. And so even in school, it's like we're, we're working for the A, right? We've been trained since we were kids to do this. And so for me, it was very, very simple. I came from a poor single household and I wanted to make it big and show everyone and have that, you know, like I had these big dreams. And so it was outcome, big business successful. And every step was there to support that. And A lot of luck happens also, and sometimes it works, right? That's kind of the old model that I had in my mind. And guess what happens when you get there to that goal, whether you make it or not, but if you do make it, really freaking depressing. Mm. Because guess what? You created that expected outcome. It wasn't the thing that you were supposed to get. Mm. Wow. That's, I need to sit with that for a second. So just so I'm hearing this correctly. You can force your way into what you think you want, but the lack of fulfillment is because it wasn't what you were. But well, mm-hmm. hey, no, well, this is really tricky because, like, <laughs> what you were supposed to have, mm-hmm. but you got what you got, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, who's to say that like what you have is actually not what you were supposed to have, right? 
Like how could have, I guess in hindsight, do you think surrendering or being more patient or slowing down or maybe having like that more attunement to all that is like, how would that have shaped your journey in hindsight now, if you could like look back on this? I think I would be probably a few years ahead in my spiritual journey and just like opening up to my fullness of myself and my healing journey and just kind of, I don't think I was ever fully, fully happy, right? So I might've sped that process up. But I mean, frankly, I'm really happy I went through that process and understood exactly how to be goal-oriented and get this. And like, now I can speak to that. So the the hard part in the spiritual community or like the, you know, people or self-help community, et cetera, is a lot of the people doing it haven't actually experienced what they're coaching or teaching on. And that's a tough thing, right? So are you going to listen to someone who's built a big business or, you know, been very successful giving advice or someone who's only been a coach the whole time? And like, sometimes that's the difficulty. Sometimes an only coach is better for sure, but people have a little bit more openness to listening to people who've been through it. So if you've gone through it and done things the old way, it allows you to understand what worked and didn't work. And so I'm very thankful that I did it the old, you know, the old goal outcome work as hard as you can, sacrifice everything, your health, your marriage, your time, and just focus on being maniacally obsessed with one goal. And so that's the thing I think that uh, when people ask me, because like, you know, I'm very much into like, I mean, you've, I played the gong for you. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm more broad human now, right? Like a Kundalini yoga has been a huge part of my life. You know, I've been really open to like all these different people in my lives. And so a lot of the yogis who are living a spiritual life ask me like, okay, as a yogi, how do you become super successful? And I'm like, well, first of all, you probably don't if your success is the monetary success in like the real world, because what it takes is maniacal focus. And that's really not going to give you the outcome that you're looking for, which is a fulfilled life. Well, let me ask you this. Like, do you think that there's a yes and to that? Like, can you be maniacally focused and maniacally aligned? Like, at the same time, like, can you have both in a new paradigm, right? Like, let's pull ourselves out of this matrix that we're living in right now, this matrix of, of this one way that's had this repeated pattern of, of quote unquote success. Like, if we pulled ourselves into a new paradigm over here, like, do you think it's actually possible? I guess it depends on what your definition of success is. So I don't want to say no, because it's, I'm sure there's people doing it, but I don't know about you, but okay. I have two kids, a wife, various hobbies, a lot of business, you know, things that take my time, right? Just being a dad and a husband and then having time for your own like care is like so much time. I mean, almost full time, to be honest. So how much time can you actually give to the thing that is your purpose, right? So maybe if, if you're being whole and you're doing all the things, maybe four hours, maybe eight hours, maybe you say it's 12 hours. I don't know that scalable bigness is achievable and having a whole life that's fulfilled. I think it has to be out of balance. And maybe you choose to be out of balance for three to five years. And that's just like, hey, listen, this is what this is this is what I'm doing. My kids are gonna respect this, my wife's gonna respect this, but I'm out of balance. 
I don't think you can have a balanced thing when you're building something humongous because the energy that's needed to put into something, if you're talking about you're working on changing the whole healthcare system, it's not going to work for four hours a day with a balanced life. You're going to have to go all the way in if you want to do something that big. Yeah. So like, I guess maybe what I'm hearing is like, but even the way you just described it, there's an inherent awareness that you're out of balance. Mm -hmm. So like, do you think that awareness alone on the path can keep you in enough alignment, right? Because I think like being maniacally focused without having awareness that Mm -hmm. you're maniacally focused, you're just like on this freight train that's just going that way. Like, so do you think awareness, maybe that is the answer. Like if you are aware that, hey, like, yeah, I'm not being the best husband. I'm not being the best father. I'm not being the most present human being. I haven't been committing to my path. Like that simple awareness can just course correct and allow you to still have your cake and eat it too? Certainly, I'm a big fan of partnership. And so both in business and in life. And when you have the right partner, you can be out of balance because your partner can be your counterbalance. So for instance, in business, sometimes someone's going to pull more weight than the other, right? In a good partnership where you love each other and you respect and you understand that it's going to be like that. And like, hey, this month I'm kind of going through something or I'm off or I want to go travel Africa and my other partner's pulling weight. That's totally fine. It's not imbalance in that moment, but it's imbalance on the whole, right? So the same thing could be true if if you're having a purpose that's really beautiful, right? You know, I'm sure many of the people on this podcast were building amazing things for the world, right? Just like you are. And you said, hey, the next three years, I'm going to be way out of balance. And I'm aware that I'm doing this. And my partner, right, whether it's in if in life, is picking up the slack, right, and understands it. And it's a kind of a, a discussion. Like, I think that the family dynamic can be held when you have that truthful awareness and a partnership, like if you have a family, where the other person understands and respects and you appreciate. So there's, it's, it comes back to like, collaboration like you you can't have it all on your own in that way like it does require us to lean on others and it does require bringing in more of that connectedness with all the human beings in our life to like bring something monumental to life and monumental what i mean is not just business it's like how do you have the business the family the spiritual path the health like how do you actually come together it's not like it takes a village in a lot of ways i'm curious to know like so one thing I've been really sitting with recently is like how have you read the surrender experiment? So you know the concept of, you know, he built a, a what do you sell a five billion dollar business just kind of surrendering. I'm sure he doesn't talk about the other side, which is the maniacal focus. He doesn't talk about that side, but there's something to be said about life creating. And like life is bringing people together. It's, it's creating, I mean, it brought us together. It's creating synchronicities and constantly working without us consciously being aware of it. Like, how do you integrate life's sort of already flow with maniacal focus? Cause like it almost feels like there's a massive upside to play with what wants to be created versus like kind of going in with like just tunnel vision and being almost not oblivious, but like not tuning in to all that wants to happen. So 
Like, how does that information or that data set play into, you think, like, maybe a, if we had to create a, a different paradigm, like, what would that look like? Well, okay, so the surrender experiment's interesting because the idea is not that you do nothing and sit back and just surrender to the universe, right? And then I think we talked about this, like, you know, God helps those who help themselves, right? Whatever your version of God is. But it is this idea, like, if you really thought about it, okay, if my goal was, as a kid, was to have a successful business and to be wealthy and be respected, right? That was a made-up thing by my 16-year-old self, right? Like, that wasn't necessarily going to bring me into the most flow, the most fun fulfillment, right? But if I'm in the surrender experiment of of actually like following the pieces and I'm in harmony and I'm really like kind of tuning in, I'm always going to be in this great place. So I feel like there's a way where you have a little bit of like awareness of like where you want to go directionally. So it's like you kind of have a tuning fork of like, okay, I'm really good at bringing people together and community. I really think that like ancient tribes and like permaculture are things that are really interesting. And then that's kind of like an intention, right? And then you allow things to kind of flow versus like forcing them. Um, I think having no like tuning fork and no intention might be just leave you listless. I see a lot of people just kind of like surrendering to the universe, but not understanding that they have a part in it. It's like a co-creation. Yeah, no, totally, dude. Well, like you need to know what you want. Like the what is, I think, the most important thing to claim, like whether in, in anything it's like, or the why. Why are we doing this? Like, for instance, like if you really dig deep, if I look, okay, why did I want to have a successful business, right? If I went all the way down to the derivative base layer, right? It was because I wanted to be respected and loved at the end of the day. So this is really fucking interesting, dude, because like, you know, we were just talking about, you know, shadow and destiny, Mm. right? That's another thing that both of us have been very interested in navigating. And, you know, one thing that I've been reading in a book recently around like, it's this idea that, you know, if you don't, do take the time to actually go beneath the layers of those whys. Like you have this thing you're doing and go underneath it. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have no agency over like what it is you're doing. It's like, I'm, I'm going to work really, 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 really hard. And consciously you're like, Oh, because I love this person. I want this thing. But if the programming underneath it is because I don't feel enough and I need all the success, you're actually being conditioned by an unconscious force to go off in a direction, which is great because it could lead to something fantastic, but it's not destiny. Like destiny, it's not your true authentic destiny. Like if you actually removed all the programs and you got back to wholeness and you're like, all right, what is my path? And from there you're like, all right, maybe it is a billion dollar business or maybe it is a billion lives. It could be either, right? But maybe even the metrics change a little bit. It's, it, it's still, I'm just gonna pause. No, 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 no. I think it's real. Okay. The awareness of what is driving you is so important and you don't have to judge it. Like just bringing awareness of like, okay, why do I want this? I really want to feel the love and adoration of, of thousands of people. Yeah. That's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to go to therapy and be like, why do I need this? And like, I mean, you can, but it might just be like, okay, that's really important to you. And that might be okay, but you should know what is driving you. If it's a chip on your shoulder because you were picked on or bullied, you should know about that, right? It shouldn't be this like unconscious programming that's driving you and you have, you feel like you're not even in control. And more than should know, it's like, it's like you get to know. Right. It's like, you know, I'm sometimes I'm surprised by like, 
you know, I have a lot of friends that like would rather stay oblivious to like just reality. And, and I always like kind of just sit with that because it's like, what comfort does that give you? Does that take, because all that does is take the power away from you. It's this insidious trap that just keeps you stuck when. Well, no, there's, there's a friend of ours, Mary, who we share in common. She, she had said this thing that I really love, which is, um, it's a little bit of a derivative of ignorance is bliss because it's not bliss. It's ignorance. But would you rather have the pain of staying the same or the pain of growth? You get to choose. It's funny. I was, I read an, something like, like a meme rolling around. It's yeah. like, choose your hard. Right. Would you rather be poor or would you rather be like, like poor and not be able to pay bills or wealthy and have all the problems that come with wealth? Right. Choose your hard. Would you rather be fat and out of shape or would you be really in shape, but having to go to the gym? Seven times a week. Choose your heart. It's like, choose your heart. The thing about ignorance or, or the non growth path is it's kind of a subtle, like, uh, difficulty because it's like kind of like you're just slightly unhappy and don't know why you're like feeling like something's not quite right. Right. So the, the difficulty is like, is stagnation and stagnation is a different kind of pain is not as acute. Like sometimes the growth pain of like actually putting in 20 hour days or like going through and, and working through like relationships with your parents or like your wife or whatever, like it's acutely painful. Yeah. That's a like good a point. surgery, like versus a slow decay. And so which one do you prefer? They're both painful. That's a really beautiful point. Cause then it, yeah, I mean, choose your heart. <laughs> choose your heart. I, like I mean, that. you know, at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. Like they're both difficult. One of the things I've been really sitting with recently is like the medicine that's present when we are like in alignment mm-hmm. and in attunement with what wants to happen. Like mm-hmm. it's like when we're forcing something to happen or when we're like when it's almost like when we tune back and we look at ourselves and we go inward and we like really check in with like, okay, like what is driving this incessant need to have something or what is like driving it? It almost like gives me at least a chance to like see a fork in the road with every choice. And like, I can look over here and say, all right, like, like to me, surrendering is about like surrendering this part, this need, this part that's like driving me and pushing me this unconscious force, the 97%, the shadow that's just like, I'm going to drive in this direction. It's like, to me, surrender is letting actually like jumping out of that car for a sec and like falling over here and seeing what happens in this space. It's not letting go of my desire and my goal to go where I want to go, but it is like not being in the driver's seat for a little while. Do you think there is value to that in your own life? Like, or do you have any examples maybe? Because I can't imagine. I mean, yes, you're maniacally focused, Mike, but you're also, I mean, to experience the degrees of success that I think you know are possible, like you said luck. Luck was a plays a role as well. It's like, how does luck and surrender sort of play into all of this? Okay. So there's a number of questions there. I I think- <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the problem of podcasting okay, okay, with me. I just kind of like okay, yeah, get yeah, on yeah. a train. So answer whichever one feels let me like go with, present. Let, let me go with surrender first. <laughs> okay. I'll just give you a quick example. So I built a, a real estate company and, and it was very successful. And I'd been doing that for 12 years and going full out. And then I built a couple of other companies. There's a company called Futurism was really fun and interesting. And, and I kind of just like, I was always doing building, creating, like it was just like, and if I wasn't doing, I was pretty bored. Right. I was just kind of like in that 
role. And so when I started getting on a spiritual path and started like meditating and started like kind of really digging deep, I thought to myself, okay, I had a lull where like we sold a company and I didn't really have anything that I needed to do. So I decided to just be still. Okay. And I read that all the Buddhas and all the monks, they're still, right? They're just happy existing. Like they're just breathing the air. They're happy that they're walking. They're like, you know, eating their food and they're just existing with doing very, very little. And I thought that's what I want to be. Yeah. I was fucking wrong. That is not <laughs> who I am. <laughs> okay. And so, so like I was modeling this idea of who like an enlightened being or person or human might be. And I was making myself fucking miserable. Right. Cause I was so still. And I'm not meant to be still. Like my nature is creating and like making action. I'm a fire starter. Like that's who I am. And so like it was very funny. So I was, I was like forcing myself into a box of sabbatical and not working and just existing and enjoying. Right. And it was making me fucking miserable. And so my surrender was I came to Costa Rica and I was like, this is kind of the end of my sabbatical. I was like, I had this mantra of play till May. Right. That was my thing of 2023. I got here. And everything kept moving me in this direction of like creating this business and like doing stuff. And I was blocking it and blocking and blocking it. It kept being louder and louder and louder. And then everyone I met who knew me was like, like, and I met with a bunch of like elders who were like really amazing teachers and spiritual leaders. And they're like, Mike, you're not meant to be still. I'm like, oh, I thought that's what people did who like, you know, are, are getting to that path. It's like, no, not you. Like you're in flow and you're creating. And so it was interesting, like when I, I was like, again, another forced goal of being still and the world kept bringing me stuff. And I realized that I needed to surrender into like actually being who I really am, which is like doing projects, helping people, being on the move. And in that, that was like my new thing. I was like, I'm so silly to have these goals. So let me ask you a different question. If being in creation and being in flow is your natural state, how do you get these ideas and how do these like ideas find you? Is it that where does your, your inspiration tap? Because I think what I'm really feeling into is like when you surrender to that, yeah, that's actually what we're, well, I don't, so for me, how this works for me is I don't think I have that many good ideas, right? But when I do have one, it's so strong. It's like every couple of years, something hits me like, of like more like kind of like a vision, but it's like in your gut, your instinct. It's like, it's a blaze. It's really tr tough because you'll have a lot of pretty good ideas along the way and resisting the ones that are like pretty good and waiting is really freaking hard because when the one comes that, you know, like, and it, it doesn't have to be about business. It can be about anything. Like as an example, like I went to, this is how I buy real estate. Like we bought a country house and I have two young kids and like, and I was just, you know, I wasn't even really in the market for a house and it was our first house we were ever going to buy. And I walked in the land and I had this total feeling like just like went through my body of like seeing my kids play here for years and years and years. And it just like, it just hit me. And so I immediately bought the house. Like it was like no analysis, no data, nothing. Those things happen when you're really, really in tune. Like you get hit by lightning. It just doesn't happen that often. It's not a daily thing. It's not even a monthly thing. So that's like directionally. So like, but those moments are when you change full direction. So it happens with like a business idea where you're like, 
I'm going to go into like psychedelics is the, is the future or healthcare is broken and uh, it hits you. And like, you just, you know, that like, there's nothing else you'll ever think about. Those happen every couple of years. And there's many versions of that that happen in the daily life, right? Where you see a person and you just instantly recoil or love, you know, like, and I think just being in tune with your instincts, like that's, that's kind of what I think serves you. So that attunement, so you are actually surrendering. Yes. Like you are, it's just not in the conventional word of surrender, which is like, if you think about the two poles, which is the, like the doing mm -hmm. the, and then like the being, which is like kind of like the, the more of the, the softening, like for you, like surrendering to what's true. Maybe that's actually what it is. Okay. I'll give you an example. So I was looking for a new thing to do. And we're, you know, we do a lot of investing. And so there was this amazing guy we met who was like a top person in environmental and he was doing mangrove restoration. So basically restoring mangroves brings back fish, seagrass, jobs, sucks more carbon out of the air than you can imagine, everything. And it's like the triple bottom line. Okay. Has everything I would want to do, right? Environment, the people, good financial returns, everything. So I went and, and we invested it and I went down and flew around Mexico and it's like the second largest mangrove restoration in the world. And I thought to myself, like, I was like on the, like the checklist of all the things it hits every single one. Right. But I was like something about it. So when I, when I'm obsessed with something or like, I know I'll stay up all night reading about it. I'll like wake up early thinking about it. It'll be in my dreams. Right. Something about the mangroves, like just didn't speak to me. Like it hit every note on my like list of like, it's good for the world, da, 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 like everything. Like my kids would be proud to like be a part of this, right? I wasn't thinking about it and I wasn't like obsessed with it. And I realized I was like, it just doesn't hit. It's not for me. Yeah. And so like that was just another example of like on paper it was perfect, but like it just wasn't. It's like, it's like picking a mate, a partner, like the person can have like a whole list of things, but like it just doesn't do it for you. So that is like kind of, I think a mini version of surrender is I surrendered into the idea that like, that's not for me. That's not my career path. Well, surrendering, and I think this is where there's like, I think what truth just feels, I love to talk about this idea of like what truth actually feels like, because like, I think for me, as I'm sitting, if I had to even reflect on this conversation, it's like my desire to push or pull back comes back to staying connected to truth. Mm -hmm. Like if the truth is that something wants it's space that something wants to go in a different direction, me pushing, 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 no matter how hard I push, it's like, no, like if I kept pushing in a direction that didn't want to happen, that would be me being disconnected from that, that intuitive instinct, that truth, that, that connectedness to all that is right. Like, but on the other side, if there's like a massive hit that I'm getting and I'm not acting in that direction, I'm also dishonoring the truth. And so it's almost like that river of truth. And for you, it's instinct, right? Like, is that, is that the way it shows up for you? Or like, cause a lot of people come like that download comes in a lot of different ways. Some people get it in a meditation. Some people go to plant medicine. Some people, there's a lot of paths to staying connected to that, but like to feel a vision, but like in what ways does the vision show up for you and, and how do you serve it? Okay. So I have a teacher, Guru Singh, and, um, he talks about, we have this like GPS system, right? And so 
and that's why meditation is so powerful. It's not some magical thing that like gives you all the answers. It like, it's the subtle awareness of like your GPS system, you're off track and you just feel it. Like you feel it in your stomach, you feel it here in your meditations. You kind of like, you feel like you're not being true and living like a harmonious way to yourself, whether it's your health, what you're eating, what you're drinking, who you're with, how you're treating people, et cetera. It's just like this subtle awareness. That's what meditation does for me anyways. It brings subtle awareness to everyday activities. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like the being on that GPS system, having that morning meditation kind of like and your little journal after, it kind of just shows you like, oh, like I'm this, I'm not, I'm veered off. I veered off path. What is going on? You feel it. And so it's like a course correction that you get to do every single day. And so that's kind of where it shows up for me as like, it's not some big aha or some big download. It's like these mini, almost, I'd call them like boring, subtle moments that like compound over time. It's really not magic, I think, at least for, for most people I know. So the subtleties, what's the difference between the subtleties of like truth versus like the noise in your mind? Like, cause I think that's something I know I've certainly struggled with over the year. I mean, it's taken a lot of work for me to like get in tune with like what's real and what feels like some conditioning that's like, or like a fire alarm that's going off in my unconscious mind. That's like, run, don't do this. But it's like, have you, have you begun to, or how has that, that subtlety sort of showed up for you? And like, how does that play into the decisions you make to either like sur- to, to surrender into whatever wants to, wants to happen? I'll give you an example. So my business partner is one of my, he's just one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met. And we check each other all the time. So like no bullshit. It's like, Hey, like, you know, call each other out. So he's also one of the most charitable people I know in the world. And he's, he's building this, this whole like new way of giving and it's direct giving. He's helping tens of thousands of people. He's doing it on his own. He's built a whole organization, the whole thing. Right. But our check-in is, Hey, is this for you? Or is this for the world, right? It's always a check-in. So which decisions are we making? Are we, are we going down this path and we're doing this partnership? Are we, are we getting press because it's going to bring value to the mission? Or is there some sort of your ego? This is a new way to get admiration and power or some sort of, you know, so like this is a constant check-in. There's no answer. And like, by the way, the course correct is like mini, right? So it's like, it's like, okay, you know what? I think we're doing this for the wrong reason. Like, let's go. And like, and if it's, but if you do want a little recognition, that's okay too. But let's just like be honest about it, right? So like, for instance, we talk about this, like a little bit of vanity is good, okay? For instance, Raj, you, you have a nice body. Uh, and Thank you, you Mike. I, I mean, and, we were, and, we, and we worked out together today, right? So part of why we work out, yes, it's to feel good, but also we like looking good. I want to look fucking sexy. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. I want to feel look, sexy. Yes, yeah. exactly, right? So a little bit of vanity is great, right? Too much vanity right? Leads us to be absurd, right? And probably getting lots of plastic surgery and spending and micro obsessing about our food. And it's not great, but a little bit of vanity is great. Another like idea on this, like same train was like the idea of people who have wealth. It's okay to touch their money. So like have a nice life because if they're generous to themselves, they're going to be more generous to the outside world. So you'll see a lot of people who are like have excess energy, money, et cetera, 
who are very stingy with themselves. And it's, it's almost like a self-flagellation. They're driving an old, you know, 40 year old Oldsmobile. They like, you know, doing coupon cutting. It's kind of their form of, of penance. But you also see that they're very stingy with the outside world because they've never actually given to themselves. So there's another idea of like, Hey, like if you have money, you can live a nice life because you'll feel so generous. You've been, your cup is so full. It's so easy to give when you fill your own cup. So just like little things like that, I think are, are, are interesting as like, is the check like on why am I doing this? Right. So that was like the whole thing of like, and if you are doing it for yourself, that's okay too, but just be aware of it. I think it's coming back to awareness yes, and acceptance of whatever you become aware of. Okay. Let's go to the shadow for a second, right? Okay. I have this picture of who Mike Clark wants to be, right? And I have this idea that I've built in my head. And one of the, I went to this retreat and it was like a three day, uh, silent Kundalini retreat. And, you know, they're very difficult poses and they're like, you know, it breaks you. And I realized that like most of the time that I'm not feeling good, is because something has gone against the uh, image that I wanted to portray. And there's a fear of failure. There's a like, oh, if I start this new venture and it fails, like I've had a couple of successful ones, like now are people going to think like, I'm not really that successful or not that smart? Because the projection I had was, I'm smart, I'm successful, and I'm dependable, whatever it is, right? So then you have that. Then if you can get rid of that for a second, you see like, oh, there's some other parts to me. Like, I like a little chaos. I, I like a little fun. I like a little bit, like, sometimes I don't want to be so dependable. Sometimes I'm not the nice guy. Sometimes I just want to be a little rude. And it's interesting, like, um, I don't even know how we got on this topic, but like, like exploring that a little bit seems fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think it's, I mean, I, what I'm just really loving about this conversation is like being aware of all these desires. And it, and I think, what we kind of started veering off on really teasing out is like the origin of these desires mm. is the origin coming from our truth and our, and our hearts, or is it coming from some, 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 something that the ego needs and desires and can we accept both and not try to wrong it or try to like, I think what I am hearing in this inherent conversation is that we can't fuck this up. Like, and it doesn't matter what direction we're going in at the end of the day, like whatever's driving the desire is inherently a part of your destiny. Like whether you're consciously or unconsciously, like, but you can't screw this up. Like, and I, and I think that coming back to like, should I create or should I surrender? Should I wait or should I push? Like, yes, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yes, it, it, it doesn't like, really matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter because at the end of the day, what wants to happen will happen. Like, yep. you know, like with the world was creating life well before we were born and it will continue creating life well after we die. Yep. Like, so for us to play in the middle is beautiful. And well, we do have good. No, I was gonna say if sometimes what's helpful for me is uh, to realize that we're playing a game. Right. And so like, as an example, like my, uh, my partner the other day, like, you know, we, I, you know, he had a really big exit and it doesn't have to work ever again. Like the money thing, like, so if he keeps playing the same game of like trying to make more money, it's kind of a silly game. Right. So he had an opportunity to buy this mortgage re company and do the workouts and blah, blah. He was, I literally fell asleep like 30 seconds into, into him calling me about this. Cause I'm like, why the fuck would you be doing this? Like you don't need more money. So like, this is stupid. And then he was just honest. He goes, I love like doing workouts with loans and playing, let's make a deal. And like, he like loves the game of it. 
And I was like, okay, great. So you know it's not about the money. It's about the game playing. And you love this video game. Like you're good at it. It's fun for you. It like occupies your time. That's totally cool and interesting because there's this recognition. Like, of course, like our higher self wants to say like, okay, now that I've done this, like I'm, I'm going to only, only do philanthropy and I'm only going to help the world. But maybe like that's not who you are. Well, what's interesting is like, I've actually been really sitting with this idea that like the universe wouldn't be making things like I think fun and play is like the highest frequency possible. Mm. Like when you feel like you're playing, time flies. Like it's like, so why would the universe even create that frequency if the universe wanted this world to survive? When I tell the universe, let's just say when we tap in and we hear the voice or when we're connected, it's actually mother nature speaking to us. Let's just say that's what it is. This voice, this intuitive guide, God, whatever, right? It's actually mother nature, right? If that's the case, and if there are things like mother nature made procreation, like a feel good, like sex to feel good, because that's how the species survives. Why would she or he or whatever this power is make play? Why would that even exist? If it wasn't actually part of our evolutionary design, if we weren't meant to have fun and we weren't meant to include fun in our work, why would that frequency exist? Like it actually just blows my mind that we haven't actually tapped that question. Like making things fun is actually the fastest way to save the world (laughs) because like if it's fun, you'll never stop and you'll just keep playing. But for some reason we devoid it. It's like, it's like there's a disconnect. It's a a weird sickness of like, if you're having fun, it's not work. Right. And like, there's a, it's so weird. It's so weird because when you're having fun, it's like you're, you're actually nourishing everything from the, it's like you're in full alignment and, and sure there are some games that can become boring. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, one example of that, right. Is, uh, so my business partner, and then we have a, a couple of other partners. Like we love hanging out with each other, like all day long. We talk every day. We're best friends, and so no matter what we work on, it's fun all day long, all day long. And so, I always wanted to go to the office. I always want to pick up the phone call, and because it was the people I was around it was so fun. It was like having this amazing brotherhood, and like people at our office, everyone's laughing and joking all day long, no matter what happens. Even when shit happens, like, like shitty things happen. We're like, we're like, can you believe what fucking happened today? And like, we're just start talking shit. And it's like, and so even the shitty things become fun. And so like that to me is like, why shouldn't, like, I remember like I had another partner in the past and like, and he was a very smart guy and we were having a nice successful business that we're building. And I'd walk in every day. He was just very serious just so fucking serious <laughs> like someone had just died every day i'm like everything okay he says yes and then like everything we did was so laborious and serious and like we and like you know like i like to like talk shit i like to joke with people like make fun and like that makes the the everything way more interesting and so i left that partnership just because he was too serious for me and then joined my other partner and all we do is talk shit all day long and it's really fun so i think you're you're onto something there if we can make everything like that fun like we were talking about like we were talking about working out right like you know why does working out have to be so boring it's you know it's so interesting dude the first guy i met when i came to osara uh gina and i we went out to dinner at la, la luna a little mm-hmm. restaurant around here for everyone listening and 
we ended up like crashing this table with a bunch of 70 year old dudes who were just there for the week, for like the week they were surfing there. Like these guys were like super ripped, happy and like super happy married. I was like, whoa, like that. What are they on? What are they on? (laughs) And one of the guys, he also big in like real estate and you know, he's got like 3000 employees. And one of the, uh, his role at the company was chief fun officer. And his only thing, his entire job was to help his employees find their fun at work. And he was talking about how like that has created more impact on his employees' lives than anything else he's done, any check he's written, because it's like, it's infused this, this energy of like, how can we make, like, how can we bring not just more, um, connection and meaning because i think there's two poles right like if we think about philanthropy and play mm-hmm. right like philanthropy is is touching a different game which is like meaning and that like our life matters and all this stuff but fun is like like present moment enlivening right like it's like a present moment laughter it's like it's like a a deeper existential need that's being met with like the philanthropy and then on the other side it's like gosh I, if i die tomorrow i just want to have fun today yeah like and so it's like these two poles are actually what like when you can combine them becomes next level. Yeah. Right. And then you combine your unique gifts in the middle, which is like, what am I like? What am I actually good at? I teach a class and my, f- the first, like first slide of the class is this like, actually it's not really a Venn diagram because there's uh, four bubbles, but it's like, it's like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What does the world need? And what can you make money doing? That was like the Ikigai. Isn't that the Ikigai? It might be. Yeah. The, uh, I took it from some place years totally, ago yeah, and yeah. I've been putting it up on the screen. First moment of the lecture, like every year. And I end with that. And, you know, the star in the, in the middle of the, of the, the cross section, it's like, it creates some sort of shape. It's kind of like a diamond, but not really. And I, I, I wanted to like name it cause I don't, I've never seen what the, the shape is. If you can get three out of four, you're really doing well. Like three out of four. Most people are at two out of four at best. Four out of four is really hard. I got a question for you. Do you think it's possible for people to really live into their full, into that ikigai, whatever that is? No. Well, without, <laughs> without doing some of the inner work, without really like taking the time to like heal traumas and look at their past and like, like, it's like, do you think it's actually possible? And, you know, and, and I guess like when I'm thinking about this, cause like, I think there's a lot of people out there that feel very disconnected from their work, from their lives. And like, I keep, you know, the question I keep thinking about is like, how do we bring these individuals? Like, how do we give them the gift that, you know, we experience in some way? And is it, is it truly that like, can, is, is it bringing the work to them? Is it like, how do you see it all playing together in like a, and again, a new paradigm? Okay, so I think why I said no automatically is it's a useful diagram, right? But often what you're good at, what the world needs, you know, like they're, they're different, right? Uh, what you can make money at, very different. I really enjoy playing the gong, okay? <laughs> I do. I, I love ceremonies. I love what the gong can do for people, et cetera. Now, I could even say that like, could be my calling, right? Probably wouldn't be able to sustain my family with it. 
very well. Maybe I'd figure out a way. And so sometimes you have to divorce like the diagram a little bit. And like this idea of like you have to find everything in one thing is like such a a lot of pressure. A lot of, I mean, Jesus, who can, like, the, your job and your mission and everything has to be perfectly in alignment. What about, like, the idea that, you know what, my job is pretty good and I kind of like the people and it gives me a paycheck and it allows me to, on the weekends or, like, at night, have this other craft that I really, really love. Like, does it have to everything be, it's so, so much pressure to get everything in one. It's the same thing with, like, a, a wife or husband. You're really going to find every single feature in your partner, that's a lot of pressure on them. Well, and I think that need to do that is the fantasy that we're all living into. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, and it's, it's totally, what we're fed. It's actually yeah. what the media feed. It's what we're fed. Just like all the advertising, everything is fed to, we're fed into a fantasy, I would say like, but when we come back into reality, I think what you're saying is, is really important because it's, it's breaking apart this, this, Oh, it's still breaking apart the, the program. The program is that this is, this is how we live our lives. But what we're both seeing is that this is how we live our lives isn't actually leading to fulfillment. Well, I think what you said, and I think I, I know you key on this a lot, but awareness is like most of it because like all of these things are okay. Having a job that you kind of sort of like that allows you to do other things, totally okay. But just knowing. And feeling like a little bit more in control. I kind of gave this example the other day that I thought was interesting. And it's like, it's perspective shifts, right? And so, okay, so like I probably a lot of your listeners and and people on the podcast have talked about fasting in the past, right? And okay, so I know people, they can go two, three, five days, no problem fasting, right? Okay. And, but if you are out with them and they're not fasting and like lunch is a little late, they start getting hangry, right? Like it's like kind of a funny thing. Like this person's like a master faster. And, uh, and all of a sudden, like, master faster. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like all of a sudden, like they're getting cranky because they're like, you know, like we need to get to lunch and they're like not feeling well. Or like say you, you know, withheld, like they're on the airplane and they can't eat or whatever. It's, they would get a little bit angry. And the reason is because they're not in control of it, right? And so their intention wasn't to be fasting. It was like they were being, it was being taken away, right? And so it's all about like, when you're in control or you set the intention, if you're saying like, I actually love having this above average job because it allows me to do all these things. And you feel like that was a choice you made and an awareness you brought to it. It kind of just makes it kind of amazing. And so you're no longer like looking for all the reasons the job sucks, you're like shifting perspective into your gratitude for like, wow, this is so cool. I get like four weeks of vacation. Like they pay for my healthcare and like I get, you know, I don't have the stress of being an entrepreneur and like it's great. It allows me to do X, Y, and Z. And so it's a perspective shift that I think is interesting. So awareness is what does that for every single thing out there because there is no bad path. There just is a path. Well, I think the awareness that you're maybe not how you should feel, but like what is possible? I think most people, even if I look at my life, like, you know, I, I was a petroleum engineer. That was my first job and I was stuck in a cubicle. And it wasn't until I read the four hour work week that I was like aware of a life that was like, Oh, this guy retires every three months. He goes horseback archery learning. He does like world tango lessons. Like what? Like it was like the awareness of possibility that, Oh wow, there's a path that doesn't have to feel like this. 
how much of do you think, like, I guess creating a fulfilling life is about external awareness like that versus like internal awareness of like, like the things that are actually holding you back. And like, cause I think there's, I, I look at myself, like there was a, a healthy dose of both, but I'm curious if you have any thoughts around that. I guess it's perspective, right? So like, I think it's totally acceptable or, or, or applaudable to want to change your station in life, right? Like it gives you hope. It gives you something to look forward to. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, we're not all monks being exactly present. But again, it's like while you're, say you wanted to go do the four hour work week, which is attainable by very few. Okay. And you have a current job as a petroleum engineer, which is a very lucky thing. Yeah. So like the thing is, is, is if you're able to be grateful for where you are while you strive for this next place, that seems like a great place to be. 100%. Because it, there's nothing wrong with wanting more. So like, so my, one of my teachers, he says this, you know, I'm more from the, like, I, I study a lot more Indian Vedic, um, uh, spirituality. And, and so in the Buddhist, my wife's Buddhist sect, it's more about no desire, have no desire, right? You are nothing, right? No desires, getting rid of all desires, right? The Indian side, which I've always like kind of is more boisterous and more like, uh, kind of like gregarious. So it's, it's about having the right desires. And so I always thought that one felt because it was kind of like, um, to get rid of all desires feels like, uh, an impossible thing, but to have to fill yourself up with the right desires feels like something I can do. Right. So I desire to be a great dad. Right. That's a great desire to have. Right. If your desire is like, I would desire to be rich and famous, mm, probably not the best desire because you haven't looked below the, like and figured out what's driving that. But I think, um, having the right desires is sort of interesting and then having gratitude for what you have. I think there's a, a beautiful word that's been coming through me for the last several weeks and it's longing. Mm. Right. Like there's like a difference between needing to have something, which is almost like, in order to be in that state, you actually can't be in gratitude. It's like, Oh, I need more. I need this. I need that. You never get, it's like that energy is like the opposite of being grateful for what you have. But longing is really beautiful because it's like, you can be super grateful for what you have and truly in your heart, just long for like a possibility long for whatever that North star is. And I think that's a great, frequency to teach that's a great frequency to like connect to within yourself and maybe that is the discernment right like i do think that although we can't fuck this up we will have our life and we will go down our path i do believe that paying more attention to that longing and can i also prescribe to the desire path like i don't know if i'm devoid of desires i don't know if i ever want to be yeah. maybe at some point i don't know but at this stage of my life i do feel like i'm i'm connected to what i want in my heart and that, and I think that to me is like the beautiful sweet spot because when we can live there, then the choice to surrender or the choice to create, it's all in service of something deeper and that's something deeper. And I'm now learning to connect that, like that deeper thing I feel is actually like what the universe, what God Mm-hmm. It's actually what wants for me in my life. Like, it's like, I wouldn't be having these feelings if there wasn't the direct capacity for life to provide that for me. Right. Like it just wouldn't, 
Like, I don't know why that would happen. That doesn't feel like it makes sense inside of this grand design. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. It's quite the dance, Mike. <laughs> but I do just have to say, man, because I think this is like the last few days I'm going to get to be with you. Like, I, I fucking love you. Like, you are like just truly one of my favorite human beings that I've had a chance to like meet. And like, I learned so much from you. And I so see you and I see how much work you and Char do. And it's like inspiring. I fucking feel you, dude. And I just, I'm grateful that I'm just grateful that we get to be in each other's lives and I get to just witness this chapter because it does feel like a new chapter. I didn't know you in your old chapter, but I feel the emergence and like the, the growth and the expansion that's present and it's beautiful. And I just really want to honor that. Yeah. It's really cool that. I think being a student of life, right, feels really amazing. I mean, we're, we're all teachers and students at the same time, but knowing that there's like unlimited levels and layers to this life is like, and we talk about business a little bit, but like that's just like one aspect of life, right? Being a good father, whew, that's like a whole rabbit hole because that brings in everything that you could possibly think about yourself. Who are you as a human? Like, like your relationship with your father. Like there's so many layers to everything in life that's so beautiful. And it's like a lifelong learning experience. But I think one of the things that I just want to leave you with, because I think is just, I think is where we ended up on the surrender. I, is tuning in to the intention that you have, right? And I think that is the active part of the surrender, which is like when you're meditating or whatever your your choice of meditation, it could be running, it could be, biking or, or anything else, right? There's all forms of meditation. It doesn't need to be sitting down, tuning into like what actually feels that's coming through you. That's authentic to yourself, right? That's the work. That's the active part, right? And then the surrender is like receiving like all of the messages that are informing that intention, right? So there's an active part of like knowing who you are. And that's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> lifelong work, right? And then the surrender is actually going, oh, and this person comes in my life now. And this person, I mean, Nasara is like a crazy vortex of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally like, it's just surrender to everything here, right? But the other thing I just want to like, the, the final point on just like some of the themes that we're talking about, are like more of a concrete thing to think about is like, there really is no path, right? We do die. Like our lives are not meaningless. They're, they're both meaningful and meaningless at the exact same time. 100%, right? Yeah. Life is super serious and super not at the exact same time. Like both things can be true, right? That's like the hard part. But one of the things that I found to be the most useful thing is you get to choose which emotion you want to tune into because in every moment, every emotion is available. Because it's the infinite way of the universe, right? So like in every moment, there's anger, despair, joy, happiness, anger, uh, you know, all, all of them like are there. You get to tune in to which emotion you want to attach to, right? And so before we get to the non-attachment, which I guess is the final stage of life of everything is, which is not where we're at. So if you tune into gratitude, you tune into joy, like that's your choice, and it's available in every, it's available in your stupid cubicle, right? At the petroleum place. It was available then. It's available, you know, and also anger and disappointments available at the current place you're at, which is building something great for the world. So that is your choice. And I think that's the beauty of like, yes, we must surrender. I think that's the, 
great thing, but we also have a little bit of agency, which is we get to choose what we see. Mm. You get to choose what we see. That is... God, dude, we need another hour for podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we could go down so many rabbit holes. Mike, I just really thank you, man, for sharing your heart and, again, just being who you are. Like, it's just such a gift, and I know everybody listening... It's probably feverishly taking notes over half the shit you just dropped in addition to all the stuff that was said earlier. Got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? So my teacher, one thing I've just learned recently, and this is going to sound really <laughs> like a hard to admit thing. I'm 40 years old. I think I'm just understanding women for the first time in my life. and. I never really understood the power of the feminine energy. Like I like read about it and like, of course, but like not gnosis, like not knowing embodied knowledge of the true power of the feminine. We live in a very masculine dominated world. And so that's where I lived. It was competition, sports, building, business, a lot. And and this is not male, female, but like often often is. And so my teacher, Guru Singh, has, he's 78 years old. And so I draw from the elders. Like it's like you just can't, you you just can't buy fifty years of spiritual yeah, experience, right? 100%. And so having an elder like that is just so valuable. And so all of his peers, every great yogi has gone down, right? Look, I mean, unfortunately, I don't even want to bring up like Dalai Lama had a little mishap. It's happening, right? The hierarchy is being brought down, right? You know, all of the yogis from Yogi Bhajan to every single one has basically gone down. Osho. Right? What did they have in common? They didn't have the female energy that was able to handle the power that was being brought into them. So I think one of the ways to stay humble is in partnership. Mm. So I feel like having a partner that you are really deeply connected with is a way to stay humble. And of course, a daily freaking meditation practice where you go and realize you are absolutely nothing. And every single day, every day, the last five years, I've been able to realize that I am nothing in the morning and also be grateful for everything I am. So that touch point every morning, powerful. (sighs) Bro, just keep dropping bombs. uh, Thank you, man. Thank you for Love being. You. Love you too. Ah. Everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Mike. And from us, Stay Grounded. Yes. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.